The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Fritz. Hello and welcome everybody to episode 18 or X8 of the Fretzelmania podcast Brass Ring Zone. I'm Mr. Fretz. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. This podcast can be heard on Wrestle Addict Radio, the cure for the common wrestling podcast on all common listening platforms. And today, I will be talking about AEW Revolution and WWE Monday Night Raw from March 11th, 2001. It just might get explosive. Podcast starts now. AEW Revolution was this past Sunday, March the 7th, from Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, and it was a really good show, I thought. You know, the finish fell flat, and unfortunately, it's what more people are going to remember the show by. But the rest of the matches they put on were pretty damn good, even if I wasn't invested in too many of them. I thoroughly enjoyed this show. Now, in the buy-in, we had Riho and Thunder Rosa... It's Britt Baker and a mystery opponent. So Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, had a doctor's note, in parentheses, written by herself saying that Revel was medically ineligible to compete and she needed a replacement. And boy, howdy, did she find one in Maki Ito. Now, I didn't watch the Women's Eliminator Tournament. I only know of Maki Ito through her, <laughs> her social media presence, and it's pretty funny uh the queen of love and piss as soon as i read that i'm like okay click follow i'm a fan i'm invested in her she's different right you know she came out to the ring singing her entrance theme in japanese she looks like your your typical token cute girl in in your favorite anime and then all of a sudden she's like really vile and vulgar uh love and piss and everything and ah man she's fantastic you know there was a couple of miscommunication spots but you know rosa and baker were standouts in this match because they're they're the veterans bringing in these bringing in these other young ladies you know riho maki ito i'm not familiar with wait riho she was the first women's champion right okay uh, scratch that. But Maki Ito is someone I'm not overly familiar with. You know, I'll <clears throat> talk more there when I get to the women's title match. The Joshi scene, I'm not big into. I'm not familiar with. Like, stardom. They put on fantastic stuff, but oversaturation. There's just too much wrestling out there for me to take in. But Ito really put in the hard work. Like, she was... Uh, blocking a strike flurry from Riho, landing this headbutt, and then eventually a bunch of schmas breaks out and Rebel strikes a crutch onto Thunder Rose behind the referee's back, allowing Britt Baker to score the pin. So ba Baker and Maki Ito, the dentist and the queen of piss, win here in a decent match 
but you know with a little bit more polish they would have it, it would have been fantastic now to kick off the actual show was the AEW Tag Team Championship match between the Young Bucks and the Inner Circles Chris Jericho and MJF and you know the Bucks went went at the guys right from the opening bell because they are avenging their dad getting jumped by the Inner Circle backstage uh, the the Buck Dad or the old Buck if you will so there is a lot of animosity and there is a storyline here. So they are out for revenge. Stereo suicide dives, super kick party, simultaneous sharpshooters. The Bucks domination would continue until Wardlow gets involved and help Jericho and MJF get things going their way. Jericho locked Nick Jackson in the Lion Tamer, the Walls of Jericho, whatever you want to call it. And they did the same to Matt Jackson. You know, after the Bucks got what they thought was a blind tag. Solid near falls by both teams. Jericho snuck in a shot with the baseball bat, allowing MJF to hit the Heat Seeker. The rope assisted Canadian Destroyer. The most overdone move in wrestling history. And despite being a proud Canadian, I am effing sick of the Canadian Destroyer. And oh, we're going to see a spot with that later in the night. Matt manages to kick out in a very dramatic moment here. Chris Jericho missed the Judas effect and hit Wardlow by a mistake. Hmm, a little bit of tension there, if you will. Shortly after, the Bucks hit the Meltzer driver on Chris Jericho to score the pin. Wow, this was a great match. Really leaned into the drama with their near falls, you know, before the Bucks would hit their clean finish you know it's your typical young bucks match because they're gonna hit like 72 super kicks they're gonna do the indie taker or the melter driver but man call them stereotypical flying tag team guys they always put on a damn good match they're very very talented next up here was the tag team casino battle royale the winners earn a shot at the tag team championship i'm looking at this lineup here and I ask, where the hell is FTR? We have Bear Country, uh, Bear Boulder, and Bear Bronson, a team I'm not familiar with. The Dark Orders, Alex Reynolds and John Silver. The Dark Orders, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. Proud and Powerful, Santana and Ortiz, The Butcher and the Blade. Private Party, The Gun Club, Austin and Colton Gunn. I did not know that Billy Gunn had another son in in wrestling. The Natural Nightmares, Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall. The Dark Orders, Preston Vance and number five. The Death Triangles represented by Pac and Ray Phoenix. Matt and Mike Seidel, and I did not know that Evan Bourne had a brother. Jurassic Express with the Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Insert Tarzan Boy by Baltimore here. Whoa, I already did that at the beginning of the show. The Varsity Blondes, Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. Pretty Peter Avalon and former NXT star Cesar Benoni, and SCU's fallen angel Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. And I believe SCU is in the midst of a storyline here where the next match they lose, they will break up. You know, this is a long-standing tag team going back to Impact Wrestling, ROH. Heck, I think they even had a spell in New Japan for a bit. Bad attitude was that what was is that what they're called? Someone might know that. Dusty Dave, uh, 
J-Bone smash this podcast. If you're hearing this, you you might know this. And then they, man, they just went right in here. We had highlights of this match here. Shout out to CBSSports.com, by the way, for my um, notes here for the show. One of the early highlights of the match, QT Marshall got in an argument with Dustin Rhodes when Rhodes took issue with Marshall eliminating the gun club because the gun club are technically part of the Nightmare family. But it's a Royal Rumble. It's every man for themselves. So unlike other tag team battle royales, this is a Royal Rumble. If one man or woman is standing in the ring, your team wins. So it's last man standing and then qt marshall threw a fit and leapt over the top rope to eliminate himself jack evans who is not in this match helped eliminate Stu grayson from popping up under the ring seemingly having been paid off by matt hardy they say and then the teams were cycling in and out getting big moments with bear country in some of the most impressive showings i've seen some power from these two guys i think like one of them slammed two people at the same time, eventually we boil down to the final five. Pac, Ray Phoenix, Frankie Kazarian, John Silver, and Jungle Boy. And you know, Pac and, Ray Fe- Pac and Phoenix were the only complete team down the stretch. So you can feel that they're getting the advantage here. Uh, Pac and Phoenix worked, worked together to eliminate Kazarian and John Silver. Not before John Silver and Pac had a meat slap of slapping affair here. Johnny Hungy was very hungy here. And man, they were just forearming each other, taking lumps out of each other. A, a big beefy match from two small beefy lads. You know, Vince McMahon probably wouldn't say there's a lot of beef here because they're short. But man, there's a lot of beef on those two lads. They don't skip leg day. They don't skip any freaking day eventually we're down to jungle boy and ray phoenix and the very short match ish that they have here oh boy i'm calling it now save this audio clip in about two years this is a world title match at a pay-per-view if it's not revolution or it's like fighter fest or something like that because these two have a very bright future like jungle boy i first saw him i thought he was a taller marco stunt and that's not a compliment uh but man he's coming to his own here he was one of the most over people in this match especially if you have an entrance theme like tarzan boy by baltimore which i swear to god i heard somewhere before AEW picked it up and brought the rights to it. And I'm having a hell of a time trying to figure it out. I was very young when the song actually came out. It was 85, so I would have been one year old. So I either heard it then or heard it in like a video game. Possibly like a cheesy 80s movie. But it's a song, an entrance music, that requires crowd participation. It's like Judas. It's like nakamura or glorious whenever you have something that can help you stand out as a performer 
like like that, like an entrance theme like that, it should shoot you up the card. It's up to the performer themselves to make it work. And Jungle Boy is making it work. I mean, I'm going to be sad the day that uh, a boy and his dinosaur break up. But if that makes Jungle Boy Jack Perry break out on his own as a singles performer, then I'm all for it. And there was the spot right near the end where everyone thought Ray Phoenix eliminated himself with a dive to the outside. But it was so slick looking and so quick that we missed, and the refs missed, the fact that Phoenix jumped through the ropes. And then, you know, Jack Perry, one last stretch of hope here. He hits a poison rana. He tries to eliminate Phoenix. But Phoenix got the best of him and and wins the match here. Phoenix clotheslined Jungle Boy over the top rope. Uh yeah, that poison run, we thought that was the spot, but after a big ass kick, Ray Phoenix clotheslined Jungle Boy, eliminating him from this match. And your number one contenders for the tag team titles are Pac and Ray Phoenix. And I believe this week on Dynamite, by the time you hear that, it's gonna be over. But the tag team champions, the Young Bucks, like Mick Jackson's gonna be fighting, I think, Phoenix in a singles match? So this is going to set up their feud, and my lord, can we get some gold on the Death Triangle? Pretty, pretty please. And we see Dasha backstage with Paul White asking for hints onto the big signing. And the only hint that that uh, Big Show White gave here was, I don't think anyone can outwork him. And my mind went right to someone who re-signed with WWE so it can't be him, like Cesaro? Or, like, you know, Chris Hero. I was trying to predict all night who it would have been. Everyone was saying, actually, who it would have been. But, anyways, uh, women's the women's championship match here between Hikaru Shida and Ryu Mizunami. Uh, I'm not familiar with Ryu Mizunami. Again, I'm not familiar with the Joshi scene. But these two ladies put on a damn good match. Uh I don't know why Ryo Mizunami was dancing or whatever, but, you know, Shida. I haven't seen enough of Shida. She's the defending women's champion, and I almost never see her on TV. You know, I think has something to do with you're in another promotion, and COVID is preventing traveling and something. I mean, if that was going to be the case, maybe they should have done an angle where Shida would have to relinquish the title, and once things settle down travel-wise... She could go on the road to redemption to try and get that back. I'm ready for someone else to be the women's champion. Like, I never cared about Sheeta in the first place, but now I care so little about women's championship matches that I I try to tune out. But Ms. Nanami caught my eye. You know, she reminded me of someone else who was actually in the tournament in Aja Kong, and if you want to watch some badass Aja Kong, just watch her wreck everyone's life at the 1995 Survivor Series. Like, imagine if we actually got her versus Medusa Alundra Blaze for the title, but instead, you know, Blaze went and loved that pink title in the bin on Nitro and got her blacklisted from the company almost forever until maybe like the past five years when she got inducted into the Hall of Fame. So there was a lot of Shining Wizards in this match. There was a lot of 
a lot of kicks, a lot of Joshi spots and heavy lariats, trading blows and elbow strikes. Good match, but then you had to get the rest of the division here to try and get involved. Uh, you know, Shida finally managed to put put away Mizunami with a jumping spin kick to the face. You know, it was almost a Ryu or a Chun-Li or Street Fighter kind of karate kick. You know, better than that Shining Wizard she was doing. Then after the match, you had Nyla Rose, Brick Breaker, and Maki Ito come out to attack Shida until Thunder Rosa came to the ring to run them all off. So we're getting a feud here between these several ladies. If this gets the title on Maki Ito, or geez, Britt Baker. Britt Baker is long overdue for a women's championship run. I'd give Nyla Rose another run at the title too. But man, uh, good match. Uh, not too much build because Mizunami won the women's eliminator here. A relative unknown unless you're a hardcore, hardcore fan. Again, it was good. Now this next match, we hear we had Miro and Kip Sabian versus Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Uh, where is Trent Beretta? Am I missing something here? Did I miss Trent Beretta get injured? Because he's in the best friends too. And I didn't even hear any mention of him. But... Yeah, anyways, I think he's probably hurt. Uh, Miro and Kip Sabian attack Cassidy and Taylor backstage. Miro dragged Taylor into the ring, but a compromised and bloodied Taylor from the attack told the ref to ring the bell, despite Cassidy still selling his injuries back there. You know, they, they put him through like a window or something. And then eventually Cassidy made his way to the ring, hitting Miro with an orange punch to try... And take the big man down. It took a couple of hits. You know, Taylor almost had the match won after a nice stuff pile driver. Miro recovered from the orange punch to make the save. Cassidy again hit Miro with an orange punch, but Penelope Ford caused a distraction. And Miro chose to shove Cassidy into her to get the upper hand. Miro took out Taylor before locking him in the accolade. I mean the game over to get the submission victory. Filler match, short. Pre-match stuff like why. I mean, this is that's normally saved for the baby faces getting the upper hand and taking revenge on the attack and them winning. But Miro, I, I love Rusev. I mean, I've been a big fan of Rusev since, heck, the first NXT takeover when he came out and laid out Xavier Woods just obliterating the guy. He, he came out to WrestleMania in an effing tank. A tank. Lord, I almost swallowed my own words there. Rusev Day was not supposed to be as over as it was. And the front office fought that. Eventually they won that. But Miro's come here. His signing, oh, it was such a good big deal. Miro's here. He's going to get booked so much better. And then this bullshit ranking system by Tony Khan comes into play here. And it's like, oh, he came in here too late and he can't be booked into a title match right away. Um, I'm, I'm taking words out of the mouth of Apron Bump, whose podcast I listened to 
on my morning walk before recording this. But, like, that ranking system, no, man. Just wasn't Lance Archer and Brian Cage thrown into a title-contending Battle Royale match as surprise competitors and then thrust right into a title match after winning those? Yeah, I mean, Miro, it's time for him to break out on his own, become the Bulgarian brute. The game over, yeah, I get it. It's it's video game stuff. He's a massive Twitch streamer. I love Twitch. I often watch, you know, people like Game of Ant on Twitch. Shout out Game of Ant. Heal, please heal. G-Rod. And even other people the odd time like beat-em-ups or Ant Dude. It's fun, but I mean that you're, you're hev- too reliant heavily on this game gimmick. I mean, it's it's time for Miro to do something meaningful and big instead of being the best man. Yeah, you're looking for the new chant. Rusev Day! Rusev Day! Best man! No. I mean, I was the best man at a wedding and I'm not going to take that into this kind of gimmicky thing. Next up here, anyways, yeah, that, that match was, oh, whatever. I, I, I didn't care. Where was Trent Beretta? Can someone seriously answer that question for me? Is, is Beretta hurt? Hangman Adam Page and Big Money Matt Hardy in a Big Money match. Lead up to this was Matt Hardy got Adam Page nice and drunk in order to goad him into a match in which their first quarter earnings of the year are on the line. Okay, you're putting money on the line in a wrestling match, which, frankly, I haven't seen since Andre the Giant and Big John Stud had their like $15,000 body slam challenge match at WrestleMania 1. So that's intrigue on its own. You had Adam Page, who was having an on-again, off-again relationship with the Dark Order. You know, are they friends? Are they more Dark Orders trying to recruit them, are they? And Matt Hardy's been mentoring Private Party. And Private Party's new gimmick here, like, okay, you you got me. You're, You're not the Street Profits anymore. You're... You stand out on your own. You know, you don't have that bodyguard with the velvet rope letting you in and out of the party. Okay, I get it. Then Matt Hardy here. Man, he just glitches into, like, every other gimmick every other week. I, I can't take it seriously anymore. But I'm a Hardy Boys mark. I like it. I flipped out when they came back at WrestleMania 32. I'm for it, but Big Money Matt is a gimmick I do not care about. I like Broken Matt, V1, friggin' Team Extreme Matt, friggin' Plaid Team Extreme Matt. That's that's a big time Easter egg right there if you if you remember that, like 1998 Jobber Matt Hardy. Page here exploded early, looking for the Buckshot Lariat, but Matt Hardy will out of the ring. And then Hardy then focuses attack on Paige's hand and arm in order to neutralize the buckshot or the dead eye. So Matt Hardy was working this psychology very well. He tried to steal a count out victory by hitting a twist of fate outside of the ring, but 
like every other countout spot, Paige got in at nine and nine tenths, barely getting in. Paige hit his list of standard big moves: the moonsault from the top to the floor, the top rope cross body, the side effect. Paige appeared to have the match won with the dead eye, but out comes Private Party to distract the referee. Paige then took out both men with the buckshot lariat, but then got countered into a side effect and twist of fate for a close two count. The Dark Order ran out to even the odds, or to outnumber the odds, like 12 to 3, and took out Private Party. And then in the Adam Rose Rosebud parading around the ring Royal Rumble spot, they caught Paige, who was getting knocked out of the ring, then Paige stood on the apron, hit the buckshot lariat onto Matt Hardy for the one, two, three. And this was a fantastic match. I liked it. I, I did like the match. The premise at first, I'm like, whatever, I don't care. And then finally, they they hooked me with the Dark Order and the private party and the friendship and the love that, <laughs> hang, that the Dark Order has for Hangman Adam Page. They're trying so hard to recruit him. They 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 it looks like they want to fill that void that was left by the late uh Brody Lee, may he rest in peace. And now I'm not I'm not saying they're trying to replace Brody completely, but there's there's a presence that's missed in the dark order and the rest of the lads there, like especially John Silver is taking the ball and running with it and just doing their absolute damnedest. They share a bunch of beers after the ring and like someone alluded on comment. I think not Marvez, what's the Excalibur was alluding to. Are those like Adam Page's own beers? So did he make like a beer deal with the Good Brothers and then he gets his beer skis too? Man, I want a fret I want a Fretz's IPA. Any brewers out there that are listening to this that want to make a Fretzel Mania IPA, you know, hit me up. I'm all for that. And next up here we had the face of the revolution ladder match. Holy crap, that is the most wordy match of all time. Cody Rhodes, Penta L Zero Miedo, or Pentagon Jr., if you will, versus Scorpio Sky, versus Lance Archer, versus Max Caster, versus Ethan Page, who was the surprise sixth entrant. Winner earns a TNT title opportunity. And there was a giant brass ring above this match uh ring and oh yeah i get it brass ring vince mcmahon ha 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 dude it looked like something out of sonic the hedgehog yeah that's totally a sonic the hedgehog gold ring above the ring here and they're about to go into the special stage at the end of green hill zone this match is going to take place in green, green Hill Zone. Just, man. Oh, yeah. Th th there it is. There it is. This is now in Green Hill Zone. Or Brass Ring Zone, if you will. Everyone's just jumping off of stuff and having your obligatory jump off the ladder spots. It was a damn, <laughs> damn good match. But I could not get past the freaking Sonic Ring above above the ring suspended by this freaking ladder um apron bump uh, said it looked like one of those 
you know, hemorrhoid rings when you have problems with your bum, or it looked like a neck pillow, but I couldn't get past the freaking Sonic the Hedgehog memes here. Hence why I am now broadcasting this from Green Hill Zone inside of one of those things that the animals get trapped in and you have to jump in and free at the end of each act. Damn you, Dr. Robotnik! Ethan Page, all ego is all elite, the mystery sticks man here, and former Impact Tag Team Champion with Josh Alexander, and a former performer for Evolve, where he had a feud with the TNT Champion Darby Allen. And as expected, this match was full of wild moments here. Uh, Pentagon hits Cody Rhodes with the Canadian Destroyer on the uh, ladder between the ring apron and the barricade. Rhodes was escorted to the back to be checked out by trainers, and I, as soon as I saw that, I was just like, oh, I swear to God, if they have Cody win this match. Cody was taped up here selling his shoulder injury from his match on Dynamite with Shaq. Yes, that Shaq. I believe I talked about it last week. I don't think I did. But yeah, Shaq hit a powerbomb, and then he got put through a table by Cody Rhodes, and it was wild. Very, very wild stuff. Uh, Archer was just killing everybody because everybody dies, and he was going to make sure that they were going to die by his hands. He, Archer threw Scorpio Sky through another ladder on the outside of the ring, and then there was just a whole bunch of car crashes. Cody Rhodes made his way back into the ring using his belt as a weapon before hitting Paige with a crossroads. Rhodes was hit by a suplex off the apron by Archer and then an elbow off the ladder by Max Caster. Jake Roberts got in the ring and hit the short-arm clothesline on Ethan Page and I flipped out. I thought, dear lord, if that man lands a DDT, he'll turn into dust. Like, whew, boy. Um, eventually, Scorpio Sky and Cody Rhodes were the last two climbing the brass ring going for the Sonic the Hedgehog special stage, going for the Chaos Emerald here. And then Scorpio knocks off Cody off of the ladder, who had taken previous big bumps on his injured shoulder throughout the match. And then he grabbed that big old brass ring to win. And now the announcement the world has been waiting for. The newest signee to All Elite Wrestling. This Hall of Fame worthy talent that was being hyped up for weeks and predicted on the internet by everyone, including myself. Is it CM Punk's finally returning to the world of wrestling? Is it Kurt Angle because Kurt Angle got dressed in his attire in that one Twitter video that he was totally trolling us for Kurt you knew exactly what you were doing you jerk <laughs> but no it wasn't any of these people it was in my mind a name that was kind of out of left field because of how recently we saw him in WWE and that was Christian Cage the second the millisecond I heard that meh, 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 from his TNA theme like no way it's Christian Cage and my cousin Johnny actually texted me before the event saying, hey, I'm going to bed, but uh, text me when you know who this 
mystery signing is, I think it's Christian or Kurt. And well, he was partially right. I didn't text him at 10.30 at night, but anyways, yeah, Christian Cage came out, he signed that contract, and I guess something fell through with him after the Rumble, unless the Rumble was a one-time deal, and that hug that Edge and Christian shared in the ring was actually goodbye. <sighs> I'm happy for Christian, I, I really am. I'm not underwhelmed. I'm not overwhelmed. I'm just whelmed. I'm more shocked than anything, but also kind of bummed that we're not going to get that proper ENC reunion like Edge and Christian versus the Usos. But now Christian Cage has the opportunity to work with some new faces. Hey, rekindle that NWA title feud with Sting, maybe. Or have a match with you know, Christian Cage and Brian Cage over the surname Cage with special guest referee Big T Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> okay, I, I, could, I couldn't resist that WCW pun here. Yeah, Christian Cage signed his contract. He's got some more gas in the tank and reveals his new shirt because when you're a new signee by AEW, just like that, you have merch. Outwork everyone. Yeah, Christian can still go. I mean, you saw his performance in the Royal Rumble. He can still go. I was hoping he would get that Intercontinental title rematch he had been owed for the past seven years, but no. Next up here was the cinematic match, the tag team street fight between Sting! We get it, Tony Schiavone, it's Sting. You're excited to see your friend, but you don't need to do it every time! And TNT champion Darby Allin versus Team Taz. The FTW champ, as if that's an actual title worth talking about, Brian Cage, and absolute Ricky Starks. And then there's this old ring set up in this warehouse, so Darby Allen jumped on his skateboard in the streets level in Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1, finds the secret tape, uh, so somewhere in the back of my mind, uh, Goldfinger's playing, so I'm thinking, like, you know, Darby Allen is here, you know, because he's pretending he's a Superman and blah, 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 blah. And listen to that song today. Listen to that song with 2021 eyes. It makes you feel old, but man, the, the song, the lyrics, it's like, is it, is this about a midlife crisis? Uh, anyways, just hearing Goldfinger Superman takes me back to being like 15 years old, talking to my locker neighbor about how good Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 is and the remake is coming to Switch. I already have it on PS4. That's enough video game references for the next couple of minutes. But here's this old ring set up in this warehouse in an undisclosed location. Maybe it's in Recluse, Wyoming or something like that. But hey, they're going to have a cinematic match here. Maybe to um, undercut Sting's weaknesses. I mean, he is wrestling a match at 61 years old. I, I say that knowing that Luthez was like 70 the last time he wrestled. May Young wrestled a match on Raw on like her 90th birthday. And you're never too old to do what you love. But also sometimes you, you know when it's time to hang it up. Sting is out the proof. He's got some gas left in the tank. Maybe he underwent some edge, edge-like, Daniel Bryan-like neck treatments. But 
man, you had all this spot here. You had Sting doing the Stinger Splash. You had the Scorpion Deathlock. You had Darby Allen just jumping off of stuff. Brian Cage throwing Darby Allen around like a crash test dummy. Starks out there being a standout young talent. And I find it funny here that Taz was on commentary. Okay. This match could have done without the freaking commentary. It was obnoxious. JR sounded like he was dying the whole night anyways. Give his voice a break. Give that man some honey and lemon. Give that man a hot toddy. Like, he did not sound well. Maybe he threw out his voice doing some promo work, or they were freaking taping Dark or Dark Revolution or Dark Elevation, whatever the hell that other stupid YouTube show is that... I'm not going to watch because there's too much wrestling. <laughs> but, man, uh, Sting stalked Starks with the baseball bat. And Starks says, you're nothing without the baseball bat. Sting looked at his bat, threw it away, and then proceeded to beat the crap out of, out of Ricky Starks. You know, Brian Cage hoisted Darby Allen up with a vertical suplex. And then, while still holding Darby up walked up a staircase and dropped him right into a trash can. Taz was on commentary here. I would have laughed so hard if Taz was on commentary and then Taz actually gets involved in this match. And he's like, oh, hey, there's myself here. Oh, Cole, look at this. I'm here and I'm there, Cole. It, yeah, because this match was taped probably like days in advance or hours in advance in order to get the production here and the production of this match reminded me a little bit of the cinematic match that Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa had last year around this time and hey I'm all for it this was fun if this masks Sting's weaknesses cool you know there was like a whole parade of Sting Darby hoodlums with the face masks and the face paint and all that jazz that made the cinematic outdoor entrances a little bit more epic i mean that was cool and then sting is starting to get bumped here by starks powerhouse hobbs and hook come out to ambush darby by the way what the hell kind of name is hook i hope that's his ring name because if you named your kid after an inanimate object or a vegetable like kale hook stop yeah, I get it. Taz is from the Red Hook section of New York. But my goodness, I mean, the amount of names that this guy would get, like Fish Hook or something else. And then it's four-on-one. Schiavone here is having a fit about this match being four-on-one. Taz is laughing away. Cajun Hobbs swung Darby and released him and just hoyed him. Did, you know, the wash the dishes, turn the dishes, no... Wash the dishes, dry the dishes, turn the dishes over. That, you know, game that you and your siblings would have played, you know, throwing each other on beds. Am I the only person who who knows of this? Anyone remembers that? Just, again, hit me up. Darby called in Sting and threw his baseball bat back down from the balcony. Sting then broke the aluminum baseball bat across Cage's back. Darby then hit a diving elbow from the belt, no, the coffin drop. I apologize, from this balcony, like two stories up, through Cage, and they both crashed down the floor beneath him. This was like the 
Shane McMahon versus Big Show finish from Backlash 2001, which I'll be talking about next month on the 20 Bell Salute on on Patreon. Starks tried to get mule kick on Sting, but tried a powerbomb. Sting escaped, and Sting blocked a back elbow and used the Scorpion Death Drop to score the pin. The Stinger and Darby Allen here, they win their match. Okay, that was a fun cinematic match. That was pretty cool. It hit, it hit the weaknesses. I'm all for it. Now, I'm now reading AEW's actual results sheet here, so shout out to, to that. And now the world title match. Exploding barbed wire death match between champion Kenny Omega and former champion challenger John Moxley. And Impact's Don Callis joins the broadcast team for this match. Bryce Remsburg here looks like he was going into a shift at the hospital with all of his protective suit and face shield for this match and thick rubber gloves because the some of the ring ropes have explosives on the barbed wire. There are barbed wire explosives on the outside of the ring here. In there's a spot where John Maxley does the Death, Death Rider DDT through that on to Omega. That looked absolutely stiff. And they were pushing each other towards the barbed wire. And like, who's going to get in here first? It should be noted that this match had this 30-minute time limit deal where at 30 minutes, it's going to explode. Like this is an episode of 24. Or if you're escaping Hyrule Castle after you beat Ganondorf in Ocarina of Time. Or you're escaping from... This place at the beginning of Super Metroid on the Super Nintendo. I'm getting all the video game references out of the way here. I totally played uh, Exploding Landmine Match in Fire Pro before watching this pay-per-view. So I'd get a taste of what you're going to get. And Kenny Omega's plan here looked like a Kevin McAllister Home Alone deal. And the match, if this match is not ended in 30 minutes, all the explosives will detonate and whoever survives will win. Well, they had all the spots here where they break out the Terry Funk right hands. They clothesline Omega out onto the stage. Moxley grabs a barbed wire bat and uses that Omega. Moxley pulls out the kendo stick and we see the first spot here. Where Omega throws Mox into an explosive thing and detonates it because Omega brought out the the white powder, the cocaine, the Mr. Fuji salt. And then you had the everything here disoriented. Omega picked up Mox and dropped Mox's knee across the garbage can. Omega used the Kataro Crusher on the garbage can and busted Mox open. Omega locks in the figure four. Woo! Mox escaped and was sent into a table with barbed wire. And he's got to peel himself out of here, said Skiabone. That was disgusting. There's 20 minutes left before this wing explodes. And you see the time. Just You hear about it every once in a while here. And then they get the Snapdragon suplex. You get Mox's arm is... he Mox wraps his own arm with barbed wire, and then hit like the barbed wire rebound lariat. Uh, the paradigm shift onto the wooden planks wrapped in barbed wire. I think those were detonated as well. And then 
eventually after all you know all the spots the barbed wire explosives thrown to this thrown to that kaboom this kaboom that where's the earth shattering kaboom and then a warning alarm starts to play this the, the friggin purge horn here goes off alerting the wrestlers that time was ticking tick tock omega plowed moxley with two very nice v triggers omega nailed moxley with the one winged one winged angel but the best spot here is that as the ref was counting he got moxley going for the foot on the rope spot but the foot was on a barbed wire thing triggers an explosion and blows omega off of moxley so it was a bit of a genius but also dumb because he is sacrificing his own body to set off the explosion and interrupt the count and like oh nobody's kicked out of the one winged angel i'm kota abushi would like to have a word with you. And then in the most unnecessary spot here, the freaking Good Brothers came in here and they are resorted to being henchmen to a world champion once again. They gave Omega a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire, uh, but that barbed wire was also loaded with explosives. And that got unloaded on Moxley. Another one-winged angel on a stacked barbed wire chair for the win. And Kenny Omega retains. The clock is still ticking. There are no fail-safes. The Good Brothers handcuff Moxley in the ring. So he, you know, can't escape. And then Omega said this is what Moxley wanted. And there's only a couple of minutes until the entire ring explodes. You're booking this. You're promising this. You better give us a good payoff. And then you get a three-minute warning. Three minutes and we're out of here. Uh-oh. 3MW is back from the grave here. Uh, Moxley's unable to protect him uh, himself. He is shackled. And then Don Callis is like, this is the end. This is what it is. The countdown began. One minute warning. The Good Brothers and Kenny Omega book it. They abandon the ring, leaving Moxley behind. And then of all people... To come out here, Eddie Kingston sprints to the ring to try to get Moxley out in time, but time was ticking. We're down to 10 seconds. And then Eddie Kingston, in a sacrificing his own body moment, the saving Private Ryan moment here, Eddie covers Moxley using his body as a shield. Then, three, two, one. In the words of OSW Review, hilarious, farty, pyro, and a little bit of a a dud goes off. And this looked as bad on TV as it did from fan cams I've seen on Twitter. Now, that was a dud. The match was so good up until that point. Now that ending was so anticlimactic, it fizzled out and this is what everyone's gonna remember this show for now everyone is like oh they're gonna make fun of this for that yeah i'm criticizing this right now it was just a simple mistake and you know that i think they're backpedaling a little bit and tony khan is like oh yeah this shows that maybe kenny was didn't build this right and then john moxley was cutting a promo after everything went off the air here because you're supposed to be selling like you're dead and i think eddie kingston was still selling the death or maybe he was 
passed out from laughing so damn hard. And Moxie's like, yeah, Omega can't build an exploding ring worth of shit. So now this is making Kenny Omega look stupid. And I hope they find a good way to book around that. So that has been a long first half of this show. I still have Monday Night Raw from March 11th, 01 to talk about. So I'm going to take this commercial break now. When I come back, I'm going to plow through Monday Night Raw here. And then that'll be it for this week. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Fretzelmania podcast, folks. This segment is brought to you by our Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleAddictRadio. Five bucks a month, only one tier. That gets you not only a great group chat with even greater people, but exclusive shows such as the 20 Bell Salute, my monthly look back on pop culture and pro wrestling from 20 years ago. The Secret Files, with Mr. YLP himself, and so much more. You even get details regarding Limitless Wrestling, Double Vision, on Friday, March 19th, on IWTV, at Indie Wrestling, that's I-N-D-I-E Wrestling, $10 a month on demand, on Android, iOS, Fire TV, Apple TV, Roku, all that kind of jazz. You get a main event between Christian Casanova and Danny Garcia, which is being sponsored by KOTR, the Kings of the Rings podcast. So be on the lookout for no for more news regarding Limitless Wrestling. Now it is time to talk about Monday Night Raw from 2001. But first, a pit stop back in WCW. Now, we're still working on a deal between Turner Broadcasting and WCW, or there's this new thing, this new venture that Bischoff was going to start here. So, no one knew that WCW was going to be done. But with the benefit of hindsight, yeah, it's, it's out there. So, this took place from the Knoxville Civic Coliseum in Knoxville, Tennessee. We had Elix Skipper and Kid Romeo defeated... The Young Dragons in a WCW Cruiserweight Tag Team Championship semifinal match. That's wordy as hell. Lance Storm and Mike Awesome defeated the Mamelukes, Big Vito, and Johnny the Bull. Booker T defeated Lex Luger. Shane Helms defeated Evan Courageous. And DDP defeated Rick Steiner. After this, we only have... One proper episode of Nitro left, and then the simulcast Nitro from Panama City Beach, Florida. So we're down to the wire here for WCW. Now, Monday Night Raw is from the sold-out Staples Center in Los Angeles, California here. We see recaps from previous Raws and Nitros with... The tension between Austin and The Rock and Deborah being the manager here and all that sort of jazz here. So right away, we start off with a tag team championship match between the Hardy Boys defending against X-Pac and Just Incredible. Not named X-Factor quite yet, but actually by the end of tonight, we'll probably get something that is 
alluding to the debut of X Factor and the amazing Uncle Cracker music. Right away, we get X-Pac sucks chance. We have Lita chance. And in the match here, these four young lads are just putting on a clinic. We see a poetry in motion. We see a spot here where X-Pac throws Jeff into Lita. But to no avail here, we see a twist of Fate and Swanton on Just Incredible. And we think there's going to be a three count here. But Albert comes out and causes the disqualification. And... The team soon to be known as X-Factor is born. And yes, you are dealing with the X-Factor. Um, in this beatdown, Albert throws Jeff into the crowd, hits the Baldo bomb, and man, just... Yeah, yeah X-Factor. I know they're crap, but they're... Come on. <laughs> uh, backstage, Kurt Angle is pacing. William Regal is running late. He is the new commissioner of the WWE having defeated Al Snow in a match on SmackDown previous to this in order to gain that title. Angle wants The Rock, and he's like, hey, I'm going to take this under consideration. And we see Dennis Hopper in the crowd here, a Paul Heyman's hero, Dennis Hopper, or, or as I will always remember him as... um. As Bowser from the shit Super Mario Bros. movie. I had that movie poster on my wall in my bedroom. I was so excited for that damn movie that my best bud at the time got me that poster for my birthday. That movie ended up being such a letdown. Anyway, Dennis Hopper Bowser shown in the crowd here. Eddie, Saturn, and Dean are backstage. Dean is without the light heavyweight championship. And I think... On Heat, the night previous to this, he lost that to my boy Crash Holly. If it's not now, it's coming up very soon. They're all saying that Benoit is a traitor. And that, hey, like all traitors, why don't you lynch him and tie him to your lowrider? And, uh, hey, this is the first time I ever hear about Eddie's lowrider being referenced on WWE TV. It was much sooner than I expected. But, to their not-knowledge... Chris Benoit was on the other side of this wall, eavesdropping the whole time. He takes out Perry Saturn, who is wearing Eddie Guerrero's shirt. Give Perry a freaking shirt, and not one that says you're welcome with a picture of a mop on it. But then he takes out Saturn. Two down, one to go. William Regal comes out to the ring to cut a promo, saying, Welcome to the first day of the Regal regime. You know, Al Snow gave him a gross black eye here jr is absolutely hating this it's like i will i uh, i failed to work relentlessly to please the fans like i'm not gonna do this accent anymore i'm sorry jermaine um asshole chance right away you know really regal's like we will not tolerate a suck up kissing bums is not respectable here i'll be fair etc etc and his first official act as commissioner is to book a rematch between Kurt Angle and The Rock for the WWE Championship. And he gets to play anagrams here. R is for respect. E is for education. And, you know, he makes fun of American schools. And G is for interruption because Jericho comes out. G is for Jericho. No, it's not. Good God, Regal. Will you please shut up? The hell up! 
And I want to congratulate you the same way I did when you made your debut in the WWE. And we see footage from Raw, like August or September last year, where Regal comes out in a nice proper suit in his little tea party in his tea set. And William Regal's good. Gosh, no, Jericho is shown trying to do the uh, the table the table napkin spot where you know you rip off the tabletop. Pete, the tabletop fabric piece thingy and all the dishes stay intact but he rolls it up and just tosses it like a wanker and then Chris Jericho's like I got an anagram of my own why why are you a pompous spineless ass clown to uh something up I forget what the other one was and that you're something about his mom and then Jay's for a junior and if you don't do this job properly, old bean, you'll never ever be the same again. We see footage here for the XFL championship or the playoffs or something here. Uh, Christian versus Devon Dudley. The winning person gets to be number one contender for their team. Edge here is still selling injuries from a super bomb from Bubba Ray Dudley on, uh, I believe it was SmackDown. And speaking of SmackDown, just before this, we saw a recap from... A Dudley-Hardy Boys rematch for the tag titles. Christian gets involved here, but he gets powerbombed, superbombed himself. Right away, we get the obligatory We Want Tables chance because fans are fickle. Devon sent to the post. Devon has a superplex here. There's a sign in the crowd saying, where's my corn dog?" Well, where is his corn dog? Surely it won't be any good now, 20 years later. But if Twinkies keep for that long, I'm sure a corn dog will too. And we, uh, you know... Devon's asking, who's the man? Goldberg. Uh, ref bump, reverse DDT by Christian. Christian tries to get a chair on Devon. Nope. Bubba Ray Dudley gets involved here. Eats a 3D behind the referee's back. Dudley's and Hardy Boys next week on Raw for the titles. And Paul Heyman is like, you know, oh, they're turning the tables on Christian. Lol. Limo backstage. And, uh... Paul Heyman says, if you're this late for Monday Night Raw, you should be fined or suspended. It's Vincent Trish. I retract my statement. Um, since this is Hollywood Trish, uh, maybe in the ring we can perform a Hollywood live sex scene. Ha! Huh. So Edge and Lita weren't the first to do this. Eddie and Dean are backstage trying to get to Benoit, but no. Uh, Benoit lures... Dean Malenko into another room, beats the crap out of him, and it's down to one-on-one. And Eddie's like, oh, hey, hey, Vato, trying to act all friendly and whatnot. And then Paul Heyman admits that he has been a Hollywood sex scene stuntman. William Regal backstage, I'm going to book Chris Jericho in a non-title match versus Right to Censor. Uh, what members of Right to Censor, William? All of them. No, go on. Kurt Angle... You know, I held the title for five months. That's longer than most marriages last in L.A. Lol. And, you know, if Deborah gets in my way, blah, 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 because Deborah's managing The Rock, much to the chagrin of Steve Austin. Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero. Get in. Oh, man. Big time vibes of One Night Stand 2005, but this is way better than that match. ECW vibes here. Japan vibes in the Super J Cup with... Eddie and Benoit as their previous gimmicks. Uh, it was like a was, was Guerrero a tiger mask? Anyways, what that and the Pegasus Kid here, classic 
strong style match. Classic chops and Eddie Guerrero's chest looks like ground beef after this match. Just getting beat, beat red. Eddie has the Huron Karana into the punches move that I used to love seeing him do. A back suplex onto the floor. Ouch. A suicide dive missed by Benoit. Ouch. Eddie hits a nice Saito suplex. A reverse natural selection. Sleeper isn't enough. The three Germans or the three Frunz. I was bored last night watching this and asked Siri what friends is in German. Frund. It looks like Freud, but it's Frund. See an Air Canada flying headbutt, a kick out, a frog splash, a miss, and then Benoit rolls through with a cross face and gets the tap out victory. Vince McMahon and Trish are walking to the ring, and then Snickers Cruncher presents WrestleMania. Just one more fight in the ring. You know, no chance, because that's what you've got. Up against a machine too strong. Vince McMahon and Trish walk into the ring here. And they relive last week's awful barking dog segment. And on then on SmackDown, Trish goes back with Vince. What the hell is wrong with you? Why are you still with him? Toxic. Good lord. And then Trish is like, I would do anything for you, Vince. Then on SmackDown... Uh, sweet zombie Linda in her wheelchair, all drugged up, is parked in front of a makeout session between her husband and his mistress, right in front of her. My God, I can't wait for sweet zombie Linda to get revenge, right? So we see the sex scene. Okay, Trish, I want you to lay down on your back. And then Vince kind of gets beside here. You know, it looks like he was just going to mount her in, in in the next couple of seconds. So, oh, get up. Um, this this scene is too good for you to see. We're going to go backstage and bang now. And then, no chance plays. Cut my music. Cut it, I said. And then it's Shane McMahon because Shane doesn't have, here comes money. Yeah, he's like, oh, Shane, calm down, my son. Calm down. My boom, just Shane decks and starts beating the piss out of his own dad, and it looks like there's going to be a McMahon versus McMahon match. Hmm. William Regal tries to intervene here, and Shane just starts going coastal on him too. Shane McMahon had been notably absent for several months at this point in time. I can't think of the last time we saw Shane McMahon. It might have been might have even been SummerSlam. It might have been somewhere after that, but Again, I can't think of the last time before this, Shane McMahon was on TV. And now, right to versus Chris Jericho in a 4-in-1 handicap match. Val eats a lion salt. He eats the Welcome to Chicago MF'er or the Welcome to Winnipeg MF'er uh, underhook backbreaker. Val does that awesome running clothesline leg sweep, sweepy thing he used to do. RTC... Just start smashing him. And then all of a sudden there's miscommunication. And the good father walks out. The bull, bull Buchanan and the good father start attacking Stephen. There is dissension. Right to censor is dead. But not yet. Walls of Jericho's for everybody in here except Ivory. Uh, Blue Thunder bomb and then RTC win and have 
a reluctant show of respect and the raisy hands four person uh hip hip hooray whatever thing so for now the right to censor is on the same page angles backstage austin walks in is like you know i'm the last son of a bitch you want to piss off you know threatening kurt angle if anything happens to deborah and then we see dick butt kiss <clears throat> that's the most unfortunate name ever uh have a Jeff Brom, Jimmy the Jet Cunningham, XFL sizzle reel, and then Heyman holding my first flip phone here on camera, and JR is having a fit here about the XFL not being covered on TV or Sports Center or TV rights. Yeah, the writing is on the wall. The XFL is almost dead here. Big show and Undertaker for the hardcore title. And then we see this. WrestleMania Limp Biscuit Contest, how you can win tickets to WrestleMania with a Photoshop challenge or something. And then the thing that this guy won with was absolute crap. And yeah, backstage, Triple H jumps the Undertaker, tips the the, the motorcycle onto him, and then parks uh, the, a sitting chair like almost right across Taker's throat. And then the game, this is a very famous um backstage thing here especially since this is on the setup to this match at wrestlemania you know you say you make people famous sir i'm uh, famous for crippling people you screw with me and i'll cripple you just one more fight oh taker and triple h at wrestlemania get in and then big show comes backstage he was going to Finish the job. Like, Taker's like, finish the job. Finish me. Because Taker's pinned underneath his bike still. Show has a chair in his hand. Show has the opportunity to end The Undertaker's career here. Like an idiot, he doesn't take it. And he sees Kane coming from a mile away. Like, he could have swung, hit Taker with the chair, and Kane would have barely got to him. But, man, come on. Uh, Show chokeslam through the table here. And uh, Kane is in the hardcore championship scene all of a sudden. WWF New York and I'm not booked tonight. APA and Jackie and a bunch of other ladies uh, are are in here having having a good time. Bears are on Steven Richards. Okay, you got me there. That was funny. Uh, and then, you know, don't... A, Austin on the Rock. If something happens to Deborah, I'll whip Kurt's ass and your ass. Rock's like, you know, don't... Tell The Rock about your concerns. Get ready for WrestleMania. Another XFL ad. A China Ivory Sizzle Reel here. And uh, Ivory has accepted China's WrestleMania Challenge with another My Way video package. Test versus Raven for the hard uh, the European Championship, I stand corrected. Yeah, Test here defending. And they were getting over his, um, his big boot. So... Test from Oshawa, Ontario, Canada is the champion of Europe here. Okay. Full Nelson slam. He goes for the meltdown pump handle slam. Nope. Raven manages to reverse that. And then out of nowhere, bam, big boot and still European champion. And we see a WrestleMania rewind moment going to 1996. The Undertaker defeating Diesel in the streak. Angle and The Rock. Here we go. No way out rematch without the botched finish. Angle is being 
notably more aggressive here, a bit more of a mean streak, a little bit less dorky and a little bit more focused Kurt Angle. Three overhead belly-to-belly -belly suplexes, a bear hug, and, you know, the one-two limpy arm spot. Rock manages to get back here. Angle, you know, chairs, security walls, whatnot. Rock bottom, no cover because the Rock's still selling his injured ribs at the hands of Kurt Angle. No cover. He took too long. Angle kicks out. Rock hits a comeback. Ref goes down. Spine buster. People's elbow. Kick out. Ankle lock. And then the Rock reaches the ropes. Kurt Angle doesn't break the hold. And around the same time, the referee count of five has expired and he goes for the bell. The Rock is tapping out. And it's alluded to, or at least, you know, Paul Heyman, because he's the, he's a heel, mofo, is alluding to The Rock, has lost the WWE title going into WrestleMania, but Deborah gets in, into the ring now. She eats an ankle lock, and Austin comes out and goes coastal. He beats the piss out of Kurt Angle, yeets him out of the ring, hits the stunner on The Rock to end the show. And the game changer of the week here, I mean, Eddie Kingston, who else could it be for being a good frenemy, friend, whatever, to John Moxley to cover him for the impending explosion that ended up being a dud. So that has been it for this edition of the Fretzelmania podcast and a sneak preview. Next week's Monday Night Raw, we see more tension between Austin and The Rock. Austin and Angle have a match on SmackDown. We see the second last episode of Monday Nitro. And the show opens with Big Show and Raven for the hardcore title. Dudley Boys versus Hardy Boys for the tag titles. It's also on the show. And if this is the show I think it is, it is historic in terms of the tag team championship. Stay positive and have a good week, my friends. Follow us at addict underscore wrestle as we are the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Keep wrestling real and have a good week. Hey, me again. Uh, I recorded the podcast two days ago, but tonight, Thursday the 11th, uh, big news dropped on Limitless Wrestling's social media that the match at the Fretzelmania podcast that yours truly, hashtag Mr. Fretz, will be sponsoring at Double Vision on the 19th of March. Next Friday night is Big Beef versus Tyree Taylor. Big Beef. There's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of beef out there, pal. Yeah, this is a big meat-slapping meat match. Once I heard the name Big Beef, A, big fan because I'm a butcher's kid and <laughs> I appreciate meat-based puns, and B, uh, <laughs> repeat A, I just love the name Big Beef and I like a good meat-slapping meat match like Seamus and Drew this week on Raw was freaking fantastic. So, yeah, I just wanted to send here a quick shout-out and a quick thank you to Limitless Wrestling, to Big Beef and Tyree Taylor. I hope you two absolutely tear it up in the ring. Uh, thank you, King Ricky, for networking, getting this opportunity for Wrestle Addict Radio. I hope this is going to be big for us. Unfortunately, I will not be able to watch the show live, but I did purchase and subscribe to independentwrestling.tv, so I will be able to watch the show 
on my day off, which is next Saturday. And I will be doing a review of that. That will be going on a future episode of Fretzelmania. And uh, yeah, this is truly exciting. This is something, you know, uh, I didn't think was possible being a big wrestling fan as long as I have to sponsor a match, let alone have a freaking podcast. So yeah, thank you to everyone there that I've already mentioned. And I hope you all get to tune into this show and that you enjoy it. Limitless Wrestling, you're going to kill it. Big beef Tyree Taylor, man, I hope you leave a bit of the ring left over for, for the main event for for Christian Casanova and Danny Garcia. <laughs> All right, see you next time, my friends. Cheers. <laughs>